Hello, I'm Sarah James, a lifestyle blogger and self-help aficionado. And I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and psychotherapist. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast in the Lifelisten Network about two women embarking on a self-care bender. We're both of the opinion that self-care is important, and yet it's elusive. And while we may have all the information we need, we don't always get there. We want to explore different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious, looking at body, mind, and spirit, and also just some random talk that's thrown in there for good measure. We also want to look at the defenses and distractions to keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. Hey guys, well, today we have a really fascinating interview with filmmaker Jenny McQuail. We're going to be talking to her about her documentary on body positivity, which is called Straight Curve. It is a really interesting look at the modeling industry um, and some of the shifts that have taken place over the last few years. Um, but before we do that, Sarah, what's new with you? Kristen. What? Kristen. My rice cooker died. No, no. Yes. yes, yes. And did it I, die mid rice? I don't know. This is, this is the thing. I don't know because I was gone. I was running late. I asked my husband to Ugh. get the rice cooker going, which let me, if my husband does not know his way around a kitchen, let's just say that. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, no problem. I mean, I was walking him through it. You pour the rice in, you pour all the water in, you plug the thing on and you push the button down. Like it's not that hard. And when I got home, the minute I walked in, I was like, Ooh, it smells like burnt plastic. Something's oh, not no. right. And you know, he, he, he was like, what, what are you talking about? It smells fine. I'm like, no, something's on fire, honey. Something's not, <laughs> something's not working. And I go into the kitchen and I see that the lights out on it. And so what I thought, Maybe just the the little bulb, maybe just the little bulb burnt out. You you aren't really dead. You aren't dead. But no, it just died. Oh. Dunzo. And my rice cookers, I, I I was looking to buy the same one and I can't find it. Really? I can't find it. And then I tried to make rice in the Instant Pot and I hated it. And so I can now say worst. it is. It is the worst. If you're cooking rice in an Insta, Instant Pot, don't do it. Get a real rice cooker. So I haven't Mm-mm. bought a rice cooker yet because I'm I, I'm just lost. I'm lost, Kristen. I'm lost. And my kids are like, where's the rice? And right oh, now we're shoot. just doing frozen Trader Joe's jasmine rice, which is fine. But yeah, it's the brand well, is Miracle. I mean, it's like a, it's like a. It's a Japanese rice cooker, but I know I bought it on Amazon, but it was forever ago and I can't find it, but. Well, I have one I really like. You should just, did you have, how big was yours? Um, I think you could do like six cups, 12 yeah. cups. I mean, it's a, it's a so I have size. a six cup Black & Decker that I really like. Do you? Okay. Yeah. I'll, we'll, I'll link up to it in our, uh, in our Facebook group. I was super bummed. So that happened. And then also quickly on our house renovation, which is still still ongoing, still ongoing. Oh, huh. um, when we bought the house, we had a finished basement with a game room and the laundry room. And we thought, okay, we're not going to pump any money into this basement. It's fine. It's fine. Leave it just like it is. It's fine. And then we had some heavy rains and then we started to see how the water was kind of coming in in certain areas. And I get really weird about mold and all that stuff. So we started to try to like figure out ways to put some new drains in and la la la. Well, long, I mean, long story short, we ended up taking out the entire floor, like the, the concrete, everything in the basement, the cement, like they 
jackhammered all of it out down to earth. So my house right now is sitting on red dirt. It's just earth down there. And it's- yeah, you sent me a video <laughs> and it literally looks like you walk into your basement into Middle Earth. <laughs> like it is terrifying. It's just, yeah, it is. It's dirt. It yeah. is a dirt room. So they got rid, rid of like all the concrete and then they dug out a foot of earth, which, you know, Oklahoma has really, really red clay dirt. Yeah. And then they had to transport it up the steps of my house oh. and out the back door. So it's like everything's covered in red mud. It is oh the gosh. biggest disaster. But I'm happy to say they're pouring the new concrete today. They put, we put new drains in. I think it actually is scary as it seemed. It's probably the best investment we'll ever make. So I think that we're not going to have any issues with water in the house anymore. But yeah. Whew. And you know what? You know, I'm in the middle of a remodel too. The worst is when you have to spend a whole bunch of yes. money on this kind of structural stuff that you don't really see or enjoy. <laughs> Basically, that's 90% of what, we, what we're spending our money on. All this oh, I stuff. mean, yeah. same. Like oh. I spent half my budget on footings, meaning <laughs> like concrete that went unto the ground yes. to make sure this whole thing doesn't topple in an earthquake. Uh-huh. Yeah. I feel they you. They dug, like there was, I practically had a basement. But it's just now all full of concrete, which was like $20,000 of just material. Yeah, I saw it. Remember, I visited you when that was happening, and I almost fell into the hole. (laughs) Yeah, everyone almost (laughs) fell into the hole. It was crazy. It was was a very deep hole. Talk about Middle Earth. uh, Yeah, it's spooky. I'm glad that part's done. Yeah, so anyway, we've had, you know, rice cooker died, no floor in the basement. But hey. Oh, my gosh. Moving forward. what's, What's going on with you? Well, I am happy to say that my house is almost done. Yay! Flooring is in. The walls have been painted. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Nuh-uh. I'm so close. Oh, you're so close? So, so close. I mean, I don't have plumbing or tile in my shower or anything like that, but it's getting very, very close. No, that's so good. But, you know, it has not been without drama. I did have – I had someone come to do the drywall, and then they were supposed to put a light – orange peel on the walls. Uh-huh. Do you know what orange peel uh-huh. is? It's like yes. the texture that's on everyone's wall. Yes. Because you can't just have no texture. Well, you can, but it's very expensive. Yes. So I, of course, leave home because it's so loud, go somewhere to work, come home. And I basically have, remember those old 80s acoustic ceilings? Oh, no. Uh-uh. I have nope. that on my walls. Um, No. On my wall, Sarah. It no. was like if you ran an elbow against the wall, you oh, no. would have like gotten a contact <laughs> scrape. It was so bad. And I'm oh, like no. crying. Mm. And then he's showing me all these options of how to fix it, but they all still look terrible. Mm. Like, like he's like, I can scrape it down, but then it's like, well, okay, now that looks like I'm in the Mediterranean. No. So the solution was that they sanded all of the texture off. Um, did and that I'm cost extra? You... Yes. Well, they did it for free. Okay, I, I was going to say, well, they, they should because they did it wrong in the first he place. He knew it was bad. Right. But the problem was, so they sanded off like, you know, five pounds of drywall mud that is now particulate in the air in my house. <gasps> 
Oh, are you going to have so, to get your ducks cleaned and everything? Oh, I'm going to have to get everything, everything cleaned. I've just been living in dust for so oh, long. Krista. I don't even know. I just am coughing up a lung and everything's covered in dust all the time. It's so gross. Are you watching The Handmaid's Tale? You know what? Funny you should ask because I am, but I kind of I kind of stopped watching because it's so freaking stressful. It is stressful, but I was going to say, it's like you're going to be ha- hacking up a lung like the ladies in the colonies. I know. I am living in the colonies You're right You're living now, in the colonies right now. Other than I have free will and like minor well, right. details. Well, but. you know, those little details. <laughs> Whatever. Whatevs. <laughs> Whatevs. Oh, wow. Uh, and then I'm also, as I'm sure you are too, just dealing with the end of school year. Crazy. Oh, girlfriend, we're out. Hello, oh, Oklahoma. So We've been out for weeks. No. What do you want? No. Lucky. Because the last week of school is the last two weeks of school at my school. I swear oh, to you. It's horrible. We're not allowed to have a job the last no. two weeks our children are at school because oh, no. everyone's having a party for everything. Everything you have to have a party for. Yes. And a performance and an end of year banquet and an end of year <laughs> awards ceremony. And then my school, which I think your kids did when you lived here, they do this thing called Pilot Cup which is where all the schools play soccer against oh, one another, yeah. which is super cute. Yeah. But next week, I have, like, two games a day because oh, I have girl. three kids in it. No. No, thanks. I just – I'm down. ready for the school year to come to a screeching halt. No, I get I get that. I hate I hate the last two weeks of school. It's just <sighs> misery for everyone involved. Everyone. Everyone's just, like, exhausted. and So I am happy we're, we're in summer, but I just – Oh, but don't get me wrong. I mean, come, you know, come mid-June, I'm going to be like, why need them back in school? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I got the camps lined up. They are lined up, but not, I'm not starting till, not starting this week, next week. Oh, Sarah, I had a, I have a whole camp crisis thing happening. I thought you weren't going to do that many because you were going to. Didn't you say that you 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 were going to give them some time off just to have them? Well, I am, but I did have – there's a four-week free camp that happens what? walking distance from my house. That was my whole plan. Well, I didn't sign them up in time, and it's full. <gasps> Why is it free? It that my makes whole me a little bit plan. concerned. What's that? It's free? Oh, it's run by the city. It's actually amazing. We've done it – and what's crazy is we've done it for the last three years, and they're always like – Bring more people. Bring more people. (gasps) And And then I have to run my mouth about how amazing this camp is. Bring more people. And now I'm locked out. Damn you and your influence. (laughs) I know. No, it's run by the school district. It's actually amazing. Oh, okay. I I know what you're talking about. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. I guess just have them up in my business. Yeah. We can we can just do some podcast recordings with all the kids. In the background. Yeah, well, India would love that. Oh, I'm sure she would. Yes, she would. We need to have her on as a guest. We What's should. it like being a child that's an Enneagram 3? I know. Oh <laughs> and then my. Malou can get on too because she'll be have lots to say about that. Of course, she'll have rehearsed it and written out the whole script and make sure everyone just loves her so much. 
Okay. Well, so- apparently my Enneagram 3 daughter this week got into a competition with a classmate on who could write the most essays that no one asked <gasps> them to write. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, my gosh. We are living the same life. Parallel. <laughs> Malou is writing a report on Medusa and all the Greek gods that she made up for herself that she's just writing all night long. She goes, Mommy, totally. last night, she goes, I just love I just love writing. I love writing on paper. And I'm like, well, that's great. It's a lost art. No one really does that anymore. You text and, you know, you use computer keyboards. She's like, well, I just love it. And, you know, she every single letter. Okay. I'm going to say this. I'm, I posted it on my Instagram stories on my personal account. I'm going to post a photo of Malou's handwriting, her first it's grade amazing. handwriting. It is unbelievable. But at the same time, I'm just like, I'm realizing how hard she's working on it and just the stress she's probably like putting on herself. But I've had, when I put that on Instagram stories, I had, I, I can't even tell you how many people respond. And a lot of them were teachers saying, I've taught, you know, first grade, third grade, whatever, for 15 years, I have never seen handwriting like that. I'm like, yep, well, there you go. Enneagram three right there. Yep. She's in it to win it. She's in it to win it, that girl. Wowza. Okay. Okay. So yeah, well, a tangent there. Let's, uh, let's do our two thumbs up. How about that? What do you got going this week? Well, mine both have to do with, (laughs) with houses. Um, (laughs) but you know, as I am, as I am shifting um, into this remodel. The first is I just got a new door. And so I got a new um, door handle and it is a keyless entry door handle. And I am so in love with it. I will never turn back. Really? Yes, because then my kids don't have to carry keys. (gasps) Wait, how does it work? Is it like a, a, it has a code. Oh. Yeah, it's a push button code. It's <gasps> it's from Schlag, which yes. may be the worst business name ever. Schlag. Yeah, I don't. That sounds uh-huh. like Schlag. It sounds like something having to do with men and ball sweat. Anyway, <laughs> Schlag. You're welcome, Schlag. Um, it's the Scent Smart Deadbolt, and so yeah, you just enter a code. So you can give the code. I mean, it's so great because you can change the code when you need to. So I gave it to my housekeepers. If I have a babysitter coming, um, I, I have certain neighbors who know the code. And I just, I am the person always losing keys. Oh, yeah. And Me with too. four kids going in and out of the house. So I am in love with this thing. Oh and I have gosh. to say, it's really not hard to change it out on a regular door if you're interested. Yeah, that is like a game changer. Oh, my gosh. I love For it. For sure. In fact, I put one now, I put one on the front door, I put one on the side door, and I put one on the door going into the garage. So we're just completely keyless in this house. Oh, that is going to save you so much time and stress in the future. Oh, good one. Good one, Kristen. And then another thing I did by this week, this is something that I have researched to death, but I really wanted a security system on my house. You know, Mm -hmm. I am a single mom. And I do get a little freaked out by things that go bump in the night. I yeah. haven't had anything happen, but I just, I wanted a way when I hear a noise outside to be able to pick up my phone and look and see what's happening outside, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I really wanted that. And I had a ring doorbell, which is that doorbell that films like anyone who comes to the door. Right, right. And so I had looked at the ring system, but the thing with the ring system, it's a good system, but they make you pay for um, your stuff to be in the cloud. Oh. 
And I knew that I wanted a security system where the videos went to the cloud and I could pull them from my phone. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't want to have to save everything on some hard drive that I kept at my house. Right, right. I mean, bottom line, I know myself and I know my limitations technologically. (laughs) And I just wanted something super easy. So I ended up finding the security system. It's called Arlo. It's these tiny little cameras. I bought a six camera set. Um, It was around $600. All of it lives in the cloud, so I can see what's happening from six angles from my home, on my phone, or on my computer. And if something is ever amiss, you can just download the video to your phone or your computer. So, you know, if someone stole a bike and you wanted to put it on nextdoor.com or something, it's all just super user-friendly, and it's free storage. You don't have to pay a monthly thing to have an account. So I am loving the Arlo security system. Yeah. We still haven't found one. We have one on our house here, which I can't even tell you what it is, but um, we're still looking for one for our new home. And my dad, I wonder if my dad has the Arlo because he has that he has the camera set up everywhere too. And like his phone like makes a little chime when it's like tripped, you know, which is just hilarious actually, because I mean, that guy has it turned on like the highest security every five seconds. Like, dring, dring, dring. I'm like, dad, <laughs> turn it off. But he's obsessed with it. He like, like loves to look and see what's going on out there. So that's good. Yeah, I had to turn mine off during the day because oh, I have too sure. many children running around. Totally. I only get an alert at night. That's cool. Okay, I'm going to look into that for sure because we need and to get going on And it films any that. motion um, and they are wireless. That's what the best too is, you okay. know, you don't have to figure out how to run wires all over the place. Okay. That is very good info. I'm going to look into that. Thank you. Yeah. Dang. Okay. My two quick ones. I have a book. The first one is a book called Daily Rituals, How Artists Work. And it's for Hmm. anyone out there who's creative. Actually, you don't have to be creative. The people in the book are considered creatives. But it looks at, I think it's like over 160 different kinds of artists with all different kinds of mediums and how they break up their day, like how they actually work. And it's so interesting. And it, and they, lots of them are interviews, but lots of them are re, like research that w- has been done on artists that have passed, you know, from like the early 1900s or whatever. But it's so interesting just to see how, how writers, painters, musicians, like how they do the things they do, like when their creativity peaks, what time of the day, Super interesting. This is fascinating. I yeah. need this book. I love it. And it's like bite-sized pieces too. So I just read a couple ri- rituals before I go to bed. And it's just, it's mm-hmm. just really cool. So that's one. My second is something that I'm really excited about. <laughs> of course I am. I mean, how shallow can I be? But um, I, found a, <laughs> I found a new clean mascara and it is so freaking good. I cannot even express now, yeah, you are real excited. You already tried to get me to oh, cross over to this new mascara. You're oh, very excited about it. Oh my gosh. First of all, I have tried every green, clean, natural, whatever you want to call it, mascara out there. I've tried them all, people. I have tried uh-huh. them all. And I have a couple that are good, really good, that I like, but they both are um, relatively pricey. And anyway, my friend Susie was like, you've got to try Honest. You know Honest, the company? They have... Um, you know, the clean, the cleaners, it's what's her yeah. name? Yeah. 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 Um, Jessica Alba's thank company. You. Jessica Alba. So they have, she has honest beauty as well. So this oh, is I the mascara. Oh, I didn't know that they had a beauty line. What? Yes. They have a beauty line. This Where is their mascara called the truly lush mascara. 
It's on Honest Beauty's website. It's $22, which I know is a lot more than a drugstore mascara, but it's still less than a lot of the clean versions of mascara. It comes, it's dual ended. So one side is a primer and the other side's the mascara. Now I tried this on, I didn't even use the primer. I curled my lashes, I put on one coat of this mascara. I looked like I had false lashes on. I am not kidding you. Completely number one in my book and you heard it here first because I haven't written about it yet, but you have to get it. <laughs> All right, well, we are going to take a quick break and chat about a sponsor that we love before we get to our interview. Lola is a female founded company offering a line of organic cotton tampons, pads, and liners. They started their company with a simple and obvious idea. Women should not have to compromise when it comes to feminine care products. Absolutely. And you know what's a little bit crazy is that the FDA doesn't require brands to disclose a list of the ingredients in their feminine care products. So most of them obviously don't. And major brands usually use a mix of synthetic ingredients in their products, including but not limited to rayon, polyester, yuck. Um, plus, a lot of them are treated with synthetic dyes. The cool thing about Lola, their products are 100% organic cotton. Yep. And this is stuff that's going often inside your body. <laughs> exactly. So those ingredients are important. Um, what I love personally about Lola, um, in addition to all of the healthy green aspects, is that it makes life easier because it's a monthly subscription box. I love me some subscription boxes. <laughs> They're totally customizable. You choose your mix of products, your mix of absorbency, how many boxes, and the frequency of deliveries. So you never have that moment of realizing you got your period and you're totally out of tampons. You mean like every month? Oh, yeah, I know. That's exactly what I did at Crisis every single month until Lola came along, which why did we not think of this before? I know. I know. I know. Yeah, it is super flexible, that subscription. And I also love that they've added pads and liners to the mix. So now I can get everything I need delivered to me all in one delivery, which is super nice. So we have a special offer for you guys. You can get 40% off your first order with Lola. So you need to visit mylola.com and enter the promo code SELFIE when you subscribe. That's mylola.com, promo code SELFIE. All right. Well, next up, I had a chance to talk with a fascinating filmmaker. Her name is Jenny McQuail. She did a documentary called Straight Curve, which is about body positivity, and you can find it and watch it at straightcurvefilm.com. Here's my conversation with Jenny. Jenny, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah. Well, your documentary touches on a really important subject matter, which is body image, um, media imagery around body size. How did this become the thing that you wanted to point your lens at? Wow. Um, well, I think, you know, this, this movie is for anyone who has ever looked in the mirror and thought that they just weren't good enough. Right. So it's, it's kind of the looking at, at our bodies as women and how we feel about ourselves. And I think, you know, a lot of my motivation probably stems from a lot of my personal experiences without even kind of realizing it. And, um, then I also became really, really fascinated by this concept of a quote unquote plus size model and what that meant. And when I learned that a plus size model is a size 10 and above, you know, right. I was pretty horrified. Right. 
and decided that I needed to explore that a little bit further and and the connection that that then has to our self-image and our self-identity and and kind of like our body images as people in general. So, um, yeah, that's what kind of brought me to this. And it's been about like three and a half years of a journey. And, um, it's, uh, it's been really, really kind of informative and it's been really life-changing. And I think, you know, for me, one of the most important parts of the film is talking to the teenage girls and they really kind of ground us in this kind of issue. And they really show us the damage that we as adults are doing to them by continuing to perpetrate this kind of one standard of beauty out there in the world, this very thin white ideal. And, you know, we hear them talking about feeling disgusting or less than and to me that was kind of the most the the pinnacle and the the most kind of groundbreaking day for for during the shoot of the the film and I think really uh is the heart and soul of the the story for anybody who watches I completely agree I had the chance to watch it I bawling by the end (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but but the interviews with the teenagers were really profound and they were, they were so honest and so vulnerable. Um, and it just, I I truly feel like this is a film anybody needs to watch. I mean, parents need to watch it. Um, particularly parents of girls, but also parents of boys. But Mm -hmm. even just for myself, um, you know, as a 43 year old woman watching it and just really resonating with that baggage of constantly, seeing the portrayals of, of thinness as equitable to beauty. Mm-hmm. And equitable to success and happiness. So it's Absolutely. not just beauty. It's, it's, you know, if you don't look this way, you will not get this job. If you do not look this way, you will not get a partner. If you do not look this way, you will not be happy or successful. <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy. And it's infiltrated so much of kind of our psyche as women that we haven't, we may not even realize the impact. And I think that was something that was kind of for me was, I don't think I even realized that my personal, and you said baggage, and I think it's a great word, baggage, like associated with this subject matter until I really dove into it and, and was constantly forced to look at myself in a different way and constantly forced to kind of reevaluate how I think. And I think the most important thing that I learned that I really like to share with people is that this idea of body positivity this idea of self-love and self-acceptance that it's not a destination it's definitely a journey and it's constantly evolving and it has ups and it has downs but you know when, when people ask oh you know you love yourself how did you get there it's like well no 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 <laughs> it doesn't work like that and I think once we kind of free ourselves from that notion that that we should love ourselves a hundred percent all the time you know getting rid of that idea and accepting that you know we really just kind of have to be kinder to ourselves and have to be more accepting of ourselves and also try and get to a place where what you think about how you look and what you think others think about you doesn't affect your daily life and you can actually get on with your uh, you know, kick-ass things that you're doing in the world. And I think that's kind of the the end goal, but not thinking that that self-love is is a destination in and of itself, because I think it's kind of impossible to ever reach that. And society has done that to us. Yeah, absolutely. It is certainly a process, an ongoing, an ongoing process and a journey. Yeah, one of the um 
one of the parts of the of the documentary that was really eye-opening for me is there's just right at the beginning you kind of you talk about how much imagery we see in a day mm-hmm. um and and you kind of scroll through the the typical imagery we see and it's just like oh my gosh like this is permeating our society like we do walk by this kind of imagery every single day and we don't even realize it we don't even realize it it's like we're right. swimming in it and we don't even mm-hmm. know and I think that's kind of the the key is that it's so pervasive. You know, we wake up in the morning and we might go on our cell phone and if we're scrolling through Instagram and, you know, we're mindlessly doing it at this point. Or, yeah. you know, then we put our phone away and we turn on the TV or we try We watch the news. You know, we walk by a bus stop. We get on the subway. We get on a train. We, you know, and like I live in New York City, so obviously it's even more pervasive, but it doesn't even have to be. You know, you drive by billboards at the side of the road. Your newspaper has 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 imagery in that, has photos, has ad like advertising, marketing. And without you even realizing, this is permeating your psyche. And it's also kind of creating this ideal of what you think you should look like and what you think is acceptable in society. And we learn in the film that our brain processes images 60,000 times faster than words. And when right. I realized that, it was so shocking, right? And and also was a moment of realization where, well, okay. And, and so if that is the case, if we want to change something, as I said in the film, we need to change the imagery that we're putting out in the world. And that to me is kind of a tangible solution and a tangible step that we can actually take to try and make this better. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things that your, your film proved is like you guys did this amazing series of photos with women who maybe are outside of that very narrow window of like, you know, model ideal and they looked so beautiful and so sexy mm-hmm. and so empowered. You really showed like this is, you know, women can look beautiful regardless of size, shape, color, all of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's kind of what's really, really important. We, we chose to, or I chose to kind of tell this story about the film and about body image through the lens of the fashion industry and the media, because I truly, truly believe that it's at the epicenter of our problem. I believe that if the fashion industry could change the, you know, change the imagery, change the clothing that we're putting out in the world, and if the media reflected this change, then society in general could actually be impacted as a whole. So for me to tell this story through fashion was really important. And I think, you know, the the characters in our film are incredible models, but also incredible role models. And I think that's the real difference. And and some of these women have, you know, 4 million followers on Instagram and they're putting themselves out there on a daily basis and showing what their insecurities are, showing what their personal problems are, their personal kind of struggles. And I think hearing that in our film, for me, I hope really resonates with other young girls, with, with older women and helps people feel like they're not alone and that the the kind of what we think about ourselves maybe behind closed doors is shared by another person and it kind of helps us then feel just that little bit better about ourselves. Absolutely. I really loved watching 
the journey of each of the models and their, you know, their personal lives and perspectives was so powerful. Mm -hmm. You guys, you know, you interviewed a a few design schools Mm -hmm. um, and we're pushing in on, you know, how do we get, you know, starting in the design industry, how do we get um, schools to be educating on, you know, designing for regular and plus sized women Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was a woman who said, you know, it just, it started this way and that's how it stuck. Mm-hmm. How did we get here? How did, how did this start that, you know, size zero became sort of the norm and a size 10 is considered plus size in this industry? Right. I mean, I don't think that there's any singular moment when that happened and when the ideal became a size zero. I think, you know, in terms of the the labels, um, straight size is a size zero to four and plus size is a size 10 and above. And the labels are really just indicators to help brands and and agents uh, book their models, right? So it became, it was really meant to be used as an indicator and as a kind of a reference term. And when it that becomes applied to women in general, that's kind of when the problem happens, right? So it's, you know, we have one of the models in the film and she says, I'm a plus size model. I'm not a plus size woman. And I think, you know, that's kind of a really, really key part of of the industry conversation and, you know, how we we came to this place where size zero is our norm when 67% of women in this country are a size 14 and above is anybody's guess. And I think, we're starting to realize that that is how damaging that can be. And, you know, we talked to a a global brand marketer in the film and he says the moment that he realized the cumulative effect of the people that were putting advertisements, the people that were putting on the runway, the cumulative effect of that thin white ideal was when he had a young daughter and he didn't realize it up until that point. And he, you know, that really resonated with me because I think that is the truth of the matter. We, as a society or as kind of people, adults really making decisions on a daily basis, we don't necessarily always think of the cumulative effects of our decisions. And I think that is something that the fashion industry, the media industry, advertising, marketing has definitely, definitely done and is to be blamed for and you know I think now it's the time for accountability and now it's the time to realize okay we've messed up we hear these teenage girls in our film we hear older women in our film you know telling us the the effects that these images have had on them and the harrowing effects and now is the time to actually just do something about it and to kind of flip the script and and start changing the narrative Absolutely. And, you know, for, for people who are interested, and I really do think everyone should watch this film, um, but for people who are interested in seeing this shift change, you know, what can we do? What can we do to encourage the fashion industry, magazines, television to portray women of, of all sizes? Right. Um, like, and I think that's kind of where, where we're at with with our film right now so straight curve was was released last summer on on epics and now we're finally releasing it on itunes and vod so that everybody in their home can watch our film but then we also wanted to think about what can we do to gather as a community to have these important conversations but also try and affect actual change 
through direct action. So, you know, we've built a special house party project, which is kind of encouraging parents, encouraging just women, encouraging people with kids and and, um, their friends to, to sit together and have these sometimes tricky conversations about body image, about social media responsibility, about eating disorders and, um, about kind of health and size and what that looks like. And we've, we've built a special screening kit to help parents and to help women, help people in general be able to do this. So there's, you know, really fun discussion questions and activities in there that help you think about these issues just perhaps in a different way. And I think that's really the start of, of the change. And then when we think about what we can do after that, for me, social media is really, really the key. I think with social media, we have a platform that we did not have 10 years ago to use our voice, to vote with our wallet. And, you know, we can really tell brands, clothing companies, magazines, ad agencies, what we want to see more of, you know, we can celebrate the people who are doing it right. And we can tell the people who are not doing it right. Listen, you should be doing it this way, or how about you use a model of a different size, or how about you use a model of a different ability? And, you know, the the reality that I don't think many people realize is that brands and media companies have now hired people specifically to sit and scroll through their social media comments every single day and report back to the stakeholders in the company what the customers are saying. So oh. for the first time, the power is 100 hundred percent in our hands as a consumer and that's something that we should be wielding you know you can you can stop buying products from companies that don't make you feel good about yourself you know stop giving them money and start giving money to to companies to media outlets that that do make you feel good or that are trying to empower you and and raise up your voice and and really kind of are representing you and your background and where you come from and and I think that's kind of a big key element for me absolutely and for you know our listeners who might want to see the film how do they get to see it you can go to our website which is www.straightcurvefilm.com com and the links are on that website of how you can order the film. I hope our listeners will check out the film. It really is moving. It's empowering. Um, I I just I found it so um, both troubling and inspiring. Thank you, Jenny, so much for talking with us. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Continue the selfie conversation with us on Instagram at, at selfie podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash selfie podcast. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to selfie on iTunes so that you can catch up with us next week. A huge thanks to shepherd audio for our intro music. Take care. Take care.